Welcome to a podcast that's completely unnecessary for, uh, God, we're at, at the end of, of May almost. No. Tuesday, May 24th, my birthday month, 2022. That's Ian. I'm Pat. I'm here. On the show today, we're talking about, um, um, what are we talking about? A new ColecoVision. We're talking about uh, Game Pass. Yep. Ian's got something to say about Game Pass. Uh, GameStop. Launching into the NFT world officially, coming soon. We're all excited about that, Ian, with a deep sigh. Uh, and a Q&A and a Patreon poll. We talked about Top Gun and the, and the new release Yeah, we did out. for a surprisingly long amount of time. I mean, I, it's a movie I'm not even that fond of. But I, I love Top Gun. Uh, I go to go to patreon.com slash you podcast if you want to hear us talk Top Gun and the sequel coming out. I think it comes out like today, like a Tuesday or something. It's weird. Oh, really? Uh, it could be one of those Wednesday releases so you might get nighttime viewings. There tonight. you go. I don't know. Um, other than that, you have a good weekend? Yeah, I did. I uh, played in another pinball tournament on Sunday. I did. Miserable. That was a humbling one. Um, but I'm looking forward to the next one in two weeks regardless. Um Definitely played a lot of Playdate. Uh, I would say the it just the the week three games that just came out yesterday for me are um, some of the best I've played so far okay. on the the Playdate. So I'm still really enjoying that. You should live stream you playing the tournament on Twitch. That'd be yeah, funny, right? Yeah, maybe I should. Well, I would like to stream pinball someday, but I got to get a little bit better first. Um, but other than that, yeah, no, it was a pretty chill weekend. That's about it. I edited uh, Flea Market Madness 46 all, almost all weekend. That's up now. You can watch it. Nice. Real congrats. Te- teaser. Congrats. Thanks. Congrats. Congrats, congrats for congratulations. Finishing. There's about six more to edit. People say, Pat, uh, when are they going to end about? Whenever I get through the, the, the backlog, that's when they're probably going to end. There might be a recap. There might be like a finale episode or something. Because Frank's Frank, Frank doesn't tell me stuff. Frank gets recognized more than you possibly think. Probably more than me and you. He tells you about like oh, I'm sure. Where he's just working or walking around and he gets recognized. And people are like like do double takes and be like, oh that's that's Frank. And like talk to him. Like like he he doesn't tell me that it was like, yeah, I'm getting seen, you know, here and there. And I'm like, okay. You know? He's very, very, very unique look. Yeah. Everyone loves Frank. I, he's easy to pick out of a crowd. He's got a unique voice, a he, unique look. He could have been one of those character actors that showed up in cowboy films in the 50s. Like, he's always that guy. He's yeah. always like the drunk guy at the end. He was always that particular character. Like, that would have been Frank in, in like the 40s and 50s. He'd be hired to do all those little one-off little roles in these films. Um, but, I do uh, want to point out uh, real quick. About Frank? Uh, uh, no, not about Frank. Okay. Not about Frank. Are you, were you continuing with Frank? Oh, go, go, go ahead, Ian. Uh, Vonnie and I watched this movie over the weekend called Intruder. Okay, that's a, that's a yeah. I I needed to make sure that I uh, I pointed out. Make sure you look up the 1989 one. Uh, it was a movie directed by Scott Spiegel, but it has a very brief cameo by Bruce Campbell in it. Okay, uh, Sam Raimi plays one of the main characters, and so does Ted Raimi. Okay, and it's a horror movie that takes place in a grocery store overnight. Uh, Great concept. One of the best horror movies I've ever seen. Oh, I, 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 I fucking, I mean, I uh, loved every minute of that it's a, stupid it's a slasher. movie. It's, a it's, slasher. it's very, oh, it's, it's very, and, and very gory. And they're locked into a, 
yeah, so ba- yeah, basically, there's like uh, they stay overnight. This the grocery store that all these you know kids work at is 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 being sold and closing down. So they have an overnight shift where they have to change all the prices during the overnight shift, and then stuff goes crazy from there. But I just I I. Uh, it was fucking fantastic. <laughs> I, I loved it. Uh, as far as like just picking a random movie and watching it, I couldn't have done better. It was so good. It was random. What was it on? Uh, it's on Shutter. Oh, Shutter is that a subscription? Yeah, it's the horror movie subscription service. And I, honestly, I know you. I know you're that big into uh, into horror movies. For uh, I get into them like like <laughs> twice a year. I get into them and I will use Shutter like heavily for a month. And then I'll fly, uh, you know, I'll, I'll go away. But yeah, I, I really have been able to watch a lot more horror movies lately. When you said, when you said Intruder, for some reason I thought of the Informer song by Snow. <laughs> Intruder! I'm going to do the market slashing. That's what I thought of that Informer song from. That's like 30 years old already, Jesus. But if you like the fun stuff, if you like, you know, if you like Sam Raimi and that sort of thing, it's, it's well worth watching. What was I saying? Yeah, Frank's getting recognized. Flea Market Madness is great. Uh, there was a little bit of drama in the video real quick. There's a spoiler. I, oh. I, I got into it. There was an altercation I recorded between uh, one of the cells and an old lady, and it was really good. I'm glad I captured it really? on film. Nothing too bad, but um, it, w- it was funny. People were liking it. Um, the She-Hulk uh, TV trailer dropped. Dropped! Um, looks interesting. I have not seen Moon Knight yet. Uh, for some reason, something's telling me not to watch Moon Knight. Not that I won't enjoy it. I just don't have it in me right now. Plus, I'm still on Night Rider. I'm on Night Rider season one, getting through Night Rider. I really enjoyed uh, Moon Knight. I did. I know. I know it's kind of split people, but I thought. Really? I think Oscar Isaac and Ethan Hawke are fucking oh, yeah. fantastic. Oh yeah. So um, and, and I mean, I realized that that probably helped me smooth over some of the things I maybe didn't like about it. Was just that when you get those two on screen at the same time. Uh, especially, and this is not like a huge spoiler, when you get them on the screen at the same time and Oscar Isaac is doing the two characters, it's it's just, it's fucking great. They, they raise the material, basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's watching them is fantastic. So all the lesser scenes, it's worth it for, for that stuff. I, it's almost like I want to see because I know almost nothing about the character. So it'd be interesting to see that. It's an interesting uh, take on the character. Okay. Yeah. All right. And then... Um, uh, She-Hulk will be fun because it'll be light. I think more lighthearted. Um, and plus, from the news, is that like since since she's a lawyer, she'll be defending uh, you know superheroes. So you, you, you'll get a chance to see like these C grade, D grade heroes that and villains that probably show up for like one comic randomly. And so, like I think someone says, like there's a character called like Frogman that's supposed to be appearing. It's like, yeah. a goofy ass character. Someone just goes on a frog suit. It's like so that's fun. That yeah, sounds I'm, fun. I'm really into me. the 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 law aspect of it. Like I think that would that stuff will be fun. Yes, I think I think it's gonna be fun. Uh, and the actress is, is great. She was on that uh, God the show where she played four different characters that everyone loved. Uh, uh, God, something Orpheus Black, or that's what it was called. Oh, okay. Never she even played heard four of different it. characters about clones, and she plays like four distinctly different versions of herself. Never okay. heard of that? No. Yeah, that's, that's why she got big. That's why she got probably got cast. Oh, okay. Uh, Interesting. Yeah. Uh, that was BBC show. How okay. Know that you don't. You never heard of that show, really? Black Orpheus. No, Black that's Orpheus. that. No, that's a 1959 film. Uh, it's something with Orpheus in it. I think that's what it was. Was it Orpheus Black? I remember I watched a couple episodes, and I'm like, this is pretty damn cool. Pretty pretty damn cool. Uh, That's pulling up a 1959 movie. I'm, all right. I think it's a little I, off, but I'll look it up later. Okay. She-Hulk. Uh, well, this is what I was say about the trailer. It looks entertaining. Mark Ruffalo's in it. Everyone's telling me more and more I look, look like Mark Ruffalo. I think it's just the hair. Um, but what's interesting is, is that 
it's going to fulfill some of the fantasies, especially like I remember the one last time we should do like the, the top searches on Pornhub. Yeah. And one of them was like Amazon or like giant women. And I'm like, what? That's a thing. And it's a whole weird subgenre where they like tilt the camera up to make the women look bigger and stuff. I'm like, this is fucking weird. So that's fulfilling fantasy because in the trailer, she's a big muscular dude. She's like carrying around ready to have sex with like just toting the guy around like, like he's a child. Or she's like black. Orphan Black. Yes, Orphan Black. That's it. That's, that, from what I said, uh, Tatiana Maslany. Yeah, that, that was a good show, even though I never really watched it. The BBC's, BBC stuff I used to watch by accident. So I'll, Doctor sure. Who's on, I'll watch an episode. I'm like, now I realize, now I remember each time I watch Doctor Who, why I really don't get into Doctor Who, because the stories are usually super silly, and I'm like, I can't get into this. But something like that is, is the BBC usually puts out good stuff, Ian. People, people like Luther. Remember Luther? I don't. You never saw Idris Elba's uh, Luther? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. People like that stuff. And then Daredevil's coming back. Um, arguably, Daredevil's the best MCU thing ever to me. Like, it's the most faithful. It's very, to, very good. Most faithful to a character and how the tone should be. And, like, how. So that's coming back. It's going to be a Disney fied version, but it'll still be good. It'll, from what I hear, it's going to be like a sequel series. Like there's weird stuff with the contracts where, with the Netflix where it's like, we can't do a direct sequel, but it's fine. Uh, and in the, and in the horrible side of news, uh, Stan, Stanley's likeness, uh, uh, sold to Disney. So the, the estate of Stanley, uh, did a license deal for Stanley's name and likeness for use in future movies. I thought we got away from the cameos, finally. Uh, TV, theme parks, VR, and merchandising through digital technology, archival footage, and other Ah, uh, yes, forms. VR. The VR Stanley experience. I can't wait. I guess I'll have him, like, walk you through a museum of Marvel history at, the, at a theme park or what <laughs> I, have you. I think, I, think, I think you're shooting for the moon with that. It's a 20-year deal, according to the Hollywood Reporter. Hollywood Reporter, you're fast and, and uh, backlog news. Um... We're going to see this more and more because now we have the technology to do this more. It started with, you know, uh, the, the hologram Tupac and Michael Jackson uh, concerts. The past Even years. before that, they uh, used uh, to bring him uh, probably my favorite actor. I brought it up in uh, the bonus episode. But Philip Seymour Hoffman, they they uh, the last of the Hunger Games movies. Yeah, they, they basically put him just in. CG'd him in there. Yeah. Yeah. Digitally put him in there. I mean, but at least that makes sense because he was supposed to be in the movie. Sure. This sure. is this. I'm is, just saying the technology. Yeah, the technology has yeah. been there. I mean, I think it even goes back uh, further than that. Uh, the Russell Crowe uh, Gladiator. Oh, okay. The, the one, the the Emperor, uh, the uh, the Caesar guy. God, not Caesar guy. Uh, he he passed away, and they had to digitally put right. into shots, and that was like 20 years ago already. Jesus Gladiator. Christ. Holy shit. Yeah. Uh, more than that. So it's been around. So it, it's and it's obviously becoming better and better. Um, that they did it in Rogue One with um. God, the old British actor who played Grand Moff Tarkin, and that was like to mix oh, results. Sure, sure. I mean, obviously they did it in good, in good old Tron Legacy, and that looked horrible back then. It was, the technology was not there yet to do young, uh, young uh, uh, bridges. Yeah, young, young Jeff Bridges. But we're going to see this more than more, 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 more. I guess what it comes down to is like, are people going to be acceptable seeing all these dead actors doing this stuff? I don't want it for for like. You know what I mean? For the Peter future. Cushing. Peter Cushing, yes. Uh, I know. I, I don't want to see it. And, it, you know, I, I hate to make this weird lateral, this weird comparison, but uh, I, I don't because it's you're going to end up with what you've got today in pro wrestling. You're going to have people relying constantly on these old actors and you're not going to bring up a fresh new 
class sure. of actors, and, and you need that. Otherwise, everything's going to stagnate and get stale. You'll, you'll have- I, I really don't want to see people who are dead thrown back into movies as a you know a lifeless CG puppet. I mean, you're going to have you know Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible 17, right. probably. I mean, I mean, he still looks pretty young. He might be the only guy that it makes sense for because he's a fucking robot to begin with. I mean, just, <laughs> it's a robot. So uh, I, I mean, actually, that's fine. You can continue the Tom Cruise brand after he dies. That the Tom that Cruise makes brand. some sense to me. Well, Tom Cruise basically has his own production company, does his own thing. So for maybe for that, it makes sense where he's like, yeah, I'm running the show. I want, I want my, I want my. I want Top Gun 3 to be made 35 years from now again when everyone's dead who saw the original one. I want to do it. Right. And make sure I do a crazy stunt. Um, The I Am Jesus Christ video game, which we brought up a couple times before. Yes. uh, Here. It's still not out yet. It's the first person Jesus Christ uh, simulator. Um, And this this company we've talked about before. This company, uh, they're they're in uh, Poland, Eastern Europe. Simulam. Developer Simula M Simula M uh, as the name. Oh, but the publisher the publisher is let's oh, the publisher is different. Yeah, the, the publisher publishes. I mean, I I get sent the codes. Uh, Playway, good old Playway. Playway, all sorts of sim games for stuff that you would not expect there to necessarily uh, be a sim game for. They have like sim mechanic. They have sim like junkyard. They have sim. Uh, the one controversial one was a, a bum simulator. They have a bunch of these that. Oh, I think so. Some of them get really good reviews. Yes. People get into them. So they've cornered this like weird simulator market. So now they're using uh, ahead of one of the, the, the major religions of the world to do this game. Uh, blasphemous probably to a lot of people. Uh, but at first, the first trailer was like, oh, we're going to like heal people and right. do things like that. And now he's fighting. Jesus fighting zombies. Yeah, every game naturally gets to the progression of fighting zombies. Yes, yeah. uh, that's why we're uh, talking about it. The the new I am Jesus Christ gameplay shows Jesus fighting demons, and they okay. look very zombie-ish. Okay, great, great. So, um, th- this is from the Steam page. Are you prepared to fight with Satan in the desert? He didn't fight with Satan in the desert. He he, he was tempted by by Satan. In the no, desert. no, they threw down. Uh, they had a fucking five knuckle oh, yeah. shuffle in the middle of the desert. Just brutal. The, the, the sword fight. No, the desert. no, no punches pulled. Cure the sick, okay, and help the needy. Perform over thirty iconic miracles, from the feeding of the five thousand and healing lepers to the calming of the sea and giving sight to the blind. That sounds really. That's like a religious game. That sounds reasonable. That's Bible teachings. And then I guess for going that to uh, fighting off zombies and demons, that's where it's like, okay, I don't remember that in in, uh, in good old uh, Mark or Luke. Magic bolts coming from his hand. <laughs> there was that first-person shooter where, where, like, you fought a, a demons as an angel in the nineties. Remember that one? I remember downloading it, never playing it. I don't, but it, I mean, I, I believe you. That, you, you. that sounds like something. Yes, that was that was. They were popular for like two months. All those first-person yeah. shooters. You know what else uh, is really popular? What? Ultimate Nintendo.com. Uh, is it in? Yeah, uh, it's popular with all the kids. You can go and get stuff. Uh, Twitch Wednesday nights. Click the join button to subscribe. That's why I let you do it in. <laughs> You got RBI baseball stickers at Ultimate Nintendo. You got the you got the NES and Super Nintendo guidebooks. You have the enamel. We're down to like nine or eight enamel CU podcast pins. We have the Pat Pixel pins and more at Ultimate Nintendo.com. And yes, I will be on Twitch tomorrow.tv slash Contra on Wednesday, and I'm on Cameo. Cameo.com slash Pat Contra. I'll also be at uh, I'll be at too many games uh, a month from now. Too many games. And, too and, many and Oaks games. PA, I'll be returning there uh, a month from now. I'm excited to do that. With some books in tow. Uh, you see about this Mario Kart tournament coming? 
Yeah, just now, actually, I, this one sneaked by me on the docket. But Nintendo announced you can race to the top eight in the Mario Kart North American Open June twenty June 2022 tournament starting 6-3. Go for the gold in three days of tournament place in the top eight. Um, win 2,500 My Nintendo gold points. That's $25. Um, you win 25 bucks, yep. in essence. Yeah. Thanks, Nintendo. Uh, I would definitely... <laughs> I, I will probably play in this. Uh, I've been playing a lot more Mario Kart lately. I say that all the time. I basically, I just play lay, Mario lay. Kart all the time. Um, but I've been really, really bad lately. So maybe I can so, dust off the skills. So there's tournament codes for each day. I guess you input that in the game, then it'll load you up, and then it'll, they'll put you into different yep. brackets, I guess. Uh-huh. Is it? Okay. You can sign into tournaments, and then you race your uh, races. Here's here's the, the, the legal ease. No purchase necessary. They always got to say that. So that you can like send in a self-addressed stamp envelope to Nintendo. To people. I love that they still do that. No purchase necessary. That's always the thing about it. Yep. Like, no purchase necessary. You, you know. Um, I wonder if a no purchase necessary person has ever won. And that probably really pisses off the company because yeah, you're getting the shit, but you, yeah. you buy a fucking thing from me. Uh, Canada, you got to be 13 plus. Uh, Mexico, uh, 18 plus. That's it. And I guess the U.S., I have no idea. It's not on here. What are the details for that? Um, yeah. It's fun to do it. I mean, the, the, you know, you got the the DLC. They're trying to pump that up. That's going to come out. When's that coming out in the DLC on that? The new DLC? Um, new DLC. Well, we already had some of it. Oh, we did already? We got the first four. I talked okay. about them on here. Um, but I, I, w- oh, I would right. imagine if, if they had eight packs to do and they were going to do 12, year, or 12 years, um, two years, over two years, I would say that's every three months. So so we should have one soon because it was March, April, May. We're probably getting some in June. Mario Kart 8 Deluxe point five basically. 8.5. When you load it up now, it actually says 2.0 at the bottom. It says 2.0. That's, that's pretty good. Yeah, they're, uh, they're well into the two aspect of this. Uh, and on the negative side of Nintendo news, the, the, the Saudis now own 5% of Nintendo. Yeah, not exciting. Um, I know some people snarkily asked what I would do about it because I mentioned that I... I mean, they're buying stock. There's not much you can do. I don't it. watch you know, the wrestling and I don't uh, SNK. I'm not currently playing. Um, there's a difference between a 5% investment and basically owning the yes. company. Yes. So that's where I'm at right now. And I mean, we'll see what happens. And like I said, when I brought that up, I don't actually think I'm better. Everyone picks and chooses their own battles. Sure. You make your decisions based on how you feel. And, uh, you know, that's it. That's all we can do. Yeah, obviously, to diversify, you know, the investment in different things besides just, you know, oil and gas and getting into tech makes sense to, you know, to, to modernize an economy to do that. But obviously, you know, we're not really fans of the, of the uh, regime there. The uh, absolutely not, no. Uh, we're not really fans of that. But you don't have to worry about them buying out Nintendo. Uh, I don't think that's going to... Yeah, I don't think it's going to escalate quite the same as no. uh, SNK did. No, you no. know, a, a small company that was probably ripe for, no. plus, plus for the, the takeover. Yeah, yeah, they'll be fine. Um, you want to talk about this versus PS Plus thing real quick? This is really weird. So... Um, Sony's uh, remember this problem uh, one the, one of the one of the many problems with the uh, PlayStation Mini, the classic was the fact that for some reason they put PAL ROMs on the thing instead of North American ROMs NTSC ROMs, which screwed with the frame rate going from sixty to fifty. So you're you're playing slower games, um, uh, you know, not the experience right. you're used to. Well, it turns out Sony did it again. They're doing it again on PS Plus. Yeah, they're doing it with PS Plus. I mean, uh, you know, this thing that that they've you know they've created three tiers for, and it's supposed to be um, 
I, you know, it, it's supposed to be their big competition with Microsoft Game Pass. And I have my issues with Game Pass, but um, I, this is not a good not a good look. And some people say it's because, well, they're doing it because the some of the PAL games already have, um, you know, multiple language selections. Mm-hmm. So that's the, some people think that's why they're doing it. But honestly, Sony, I mean, it could just as much be the fact that they're fucking lazy. Can you or give me the can you give me the choice to right. do the ROM? Like if if I grew up in Europe with with the fifty hertz one, because that's what I had. Like give people the choice. Be like, oh, which what which version you want to play? You want to play the the PAL one or, or the? Can you do that? Like, is that a big deal? I don't know. Right, I hate it. And then uh, something that I caught I this morning it. and I didn't put on there. Um, but according to reports from Asian players who have access to the new PlayStation oh. Plus. If you got your subscription at a discount, you'll be charged a higher fee to make up for the discount. So you they they won't let you use yeah, Sony just being fucking gross. Also, stacked subscriptions must pay for the upgrade for the entire sub duration. God, welcome to the subscription world. Welcome to the digital subscription world. Uh, gross, man. Disgusting. I don't like it. No, sir, I don't like it. No, sir, I don't like it. Um this was announced on Atari Age. I've looked into this a little bit, uh, but not a huge amount. I'm not familiar with this person developing a new Atom computer system. Uh, so it's an, it's an emulation Atom ColecoVision system running on a, uh, a new hardware, but it's an emulator system. So the way this is explained to me and the way it looks like, this is basically like a Retron 5 or Polymega, but for ColecoVision. That's basically what's being uh, developed. Right, and it will be uh, able to support Adam, ColecoVision, and then uh, not just others. ColecoVision, uh, also the MSX 1 and 2, so, uh, which is kind of like a home computer so It was kind of like a, a video game heavy home computer system in, in Japan. Yes. Like the Atom. So they they actually do kind of feel like they fit together. So, I mean, the good news is that I, I looked into this guy on his website. He He does hardware projects so like, and I think there's on this thread, he's already ordered boards for this. So uh, th- this is looks to be something that'll be produced in some capacity and get to people. Yes, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt too. Look, uh, it, this is this is a very clearly a hobbyist project. Yeah, dude's not promising the moon. He's got some background in it. It's not pie in the sky. Um, seems like it should work. And if it doesn't, you know, we'll call it out. But I, I do want to say. I understand people like the Amico stuff, but we got to stop calling everything a scam because we, we've, we've had like when something was was pointed to us when this point, I was like, oh, the next retro video game scam. Just let well, the yeah, we'll see first. We'll see. We'll see. What, scam has a definition. It, it actually means something. Yeah, we defined it on, on the podcast. <laughs> right. So we sort of be sure. So we got to see. Yeah. And of course, we'll call it out if it is. But I don't think there's any reason to think this is at this point. No. It looks like a hobbyist thing that's going to be popular with, you know, maybe a couple they'll hundred make, people. Yeah, they'll make a hundred of them or two hundred of them. Yeah. And if, if people get people money, will review them. And yeah, if, if, if they if, if this guy takes money and doesn't ship them, uh, then we'll call him out. Um, it's located in Belgium. Uh, I don't know much other stuff he's done, but it, it, so far, knock on wood, it looks like something that some people will enjoy. I'll just say this, though. This was back to the, my just saying about, like, why does this exist? Sure. Of course. It's an emulation system. Right. I feel like it's, if this was FPGA, you would definitely be targeting that that 
group that we talked about emulation i think yeah. i think it's going to be a tougher sell because the hardcore hardcore would probably rather have fpga or, and the people who are fine with emulation aren't necessarily going to be interested in this or if i'm super into ColecoVision, i would probably pay someone to mod hdmi mod my you know ColecoVision. Sure, but possible, it, like do something right. like that. Like, it wouldn't do all of this, but again, like we said, it's it's emulation. So yeah, it's it's gonna it's gonna pull the ROM into memory and play it. It like, is like what it is. I, I think it looks cute. I, I mean, I like the mock. Yeah, it looks, of like, it. looks like a server rack sort of thing. It's, it's really kind of nice looking. I like I like the compact design. I mean, it really is compact when you look at the picture of it with the ColecoVision cartridge yeah, it's, in it's it. It's really small. small. So it's gonna have what, um, it's gonna have the traditional ports on there and also what USB on there yeah. as well. Certainly better um, designed than uh, uh, another system that's never coming out. I, I don't know what you're talking about, Ian. No one does. Possibly. Can... <laughs> no, no one does. No one knows what I'm talking about. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, Ian, yeah. Uh, Game Pass is in the news, yeah, for a variety of reasons. Um, yes, I saw you tweet in somewhat in frustration or anger about a Kotaku article. Yeah, I was really talking kind of about frustrated burnout. About but there's been a, a, a bits come out. So where do you want to start on this? Well, let's start with the the executive and his concerns about it because I think they're 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 valid concerns. This is from VideoGamesChronicle.com. Former e- Xbox exec says he's scared of Game Pass's potential impact. Ed Fries compares the service's potential impact to Spotify's people just don't buy songs anymore, meaning that people won't buy games anymore. I I think right now with Game Pass, there are people who are very upset about um, you know, things like like uh, games leaving the system or leaving the service. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of that, I think that's, you know, kind of in there is like a, a failsafe to make sure people do still buy games. Um, but I think there's a lot of people I think, and I'm one of them, um, that would be okay with it. You know, it's a constant rotating selection of games, um, you know, a good variety of indie and AAA. I think there are, for some people, it, it will be plenty. Just like there there are definitely people who love music, go out and buy music, purchase music, even keep MP3s or buy digital albums and organize them on their computer. But there's a lot of people who, for them, music is fine. It's just Spotify. You know, streaming what's on there. So I don't know that it's going to, you know, kill retail sales, but I think it will end up. I think these subscription services will get to a point where they are enough for a certain type of gamer. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's what I'd have to say about that. I don't think it's all doom and gloom. I don't think I don't think it's necessarily going to be like music where, you know, uh, it really is a true replacement. But I think, like I said, for some people, it would be. Well, Songs are easier to sort of hold on to and sure. grasp. They're much obviously smaller in size. You could play songs on you know on anything. You know, you download a song, and you can play it on a computer. You can play it on any device. Games are a bit more complicated, obviously, because you need the platform for right. it. You need the tech uh, for that. Um, so it's not quite the same. But I, I see uh, Ed's point here about it. it's like, well, yeah, will no, people, I mean, he's will people stop. Well, it's like, well, yeah, if you're getting AAA games, 
Remember, I was first confused about it. I was like, there's no way they're putting, I was like, there's no way Microsoft's putting AAA games that are brand new on the game page. Like, oh, yeah, they are, Pat. I'm like, I, my head got blown. I'm like, that's so weird to me to think about. Imagine, imagine, imagine. Well, it happens less now, I think, because people are realizing it doesn't make a lot of money. But, I mean, they do. There are AAA games that come out whenever whenever the Bethesda games eventually sure. come out that were delayed. Uh, those will be day one releases on I mean, because look, what, the only uh, the only parallel we have to movies with this happening was member, member during the pandemic with, with, um, with uh, HBO Max. You had stuff saying, "Oh, we're going to come out with the Godzilla movie at the same time and come out," but that's not sustainable. You can't make those movies like that and make up the cost unless you release them in theaters. You just can't do it long term. Right, impossible. but even though they are yeah. back to doing that, it's a much shorter period. It only took like three weeks for the Batman to get on HBO Max. Sure, you know, which I did watch. By the way, it was pretty good. But they, but they're calculating it in. They're like, "We're going to make like, no, I know. our money yes. up front because yes. that that did well. That's like the second grossing movie this year, highest grossing. Then Doctor Strange, I think, knocked it off. So. Maybe that's the way they're going to do it. They'll just be like, "Oh, you got to buy it the first three, four months, our new games, and then if you don't want to wait, or then it'll come afterwards." We're going to get the bulk of the money up front, and then obviously, who knows with DLC? But um, yeah. So that so that was an interesting little take on that. But uh, then there's the, a the Kotaku article that I think you disliked. Yeah, this amount. this rubbed me the wrong way, and I don't want to come across as too much of an asshole. But I think I think <laughs> I think you no know, one ever accuse us of that. Yeah, I really think people need to think about what they're saying when they're bitching about things and services um so where is it here it is uh kotaku put out an article called after years of hype the uh, xbox game pass burnout is here uh one when you go through the article it doesn't really seem to be based on any real research okay. uh, it seems to be based on a couple of tweets that they cherry picked and um you know decided that they need uh, you needed to write an article about it must have been a slow news week um you know, yeah, uh, Tom's Guide writer Tony Polanco said in a tweet, okay, well, I guess that means everyone must be burning out then, right? Uh, and they go in and they talk about how, you know, basically last year, especially with Halo, it got people interested in Game Pass because, you know, you got this day one, you know, AAA title released on there for something that you're already paying $14 a month for. So uh-huh. it seemed like a great deal. Um, but now they're talking about, you know, how the lack of AAA games is basically making it less exciting. Uh to go to my tweet, I mean, I'll, I'll repeat it. I don't have your tweet in front of me. But I said, I, I don't think people think about what an asshole they sound like when they say this stuff. So many of these folks pretend to care about indie developers and games, but show their whole ass when it comes to money. Just say, I don't think your games are worth anything. And it's not just Kotaku. All of these websites really want to tout the indie developer. The person doing it, the 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 you know the the, the good way, the old fashioned way. Pull up by your bootstraps. Pull up by the bootstraps, making yeah. games. Uh, they love to talk about all the conferences and indie develop, you know, indie game um, conventions and meetups and, and and conferences and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as soon as that's what you're getting for your money, instead of AAA shit. Uh, no one wants to fucking pay for it anymore. And there's a lot of good AAA games or indie games that come out on Xbox Game Pass. And it's $14 a month. For instance, one of the ones that I've really been looking forward to is called uh, Floppy Nights, I think. Floppy Nights. Okay. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's like a card based um, like deck builder game. Uh, it's got the same artist from Dicey Dungeons, which is one of my favorite games of all time. Um and it's normally a $20 game. I can play it on Game Pass. I've already paid the $15 for it. Okay. And that's not the only game that's coming out this month. I, I feel like it, it's weird to me because if, if, if I were to get my shit together and come out with an indie game streaming service that rotated through developers and gave you a great selection of indie games, 
and I called it, I don't know, Indie Stream or something like that, and charged $15 for it, I have a feeling that the very same people who are complaining would loud it is this, you know, uh, great investment that's, you know, great for developers. So so they're falsely, and it's like the, this article pointed out, someone else from um, Washington Post uh, shared a similar sentiment on Twitter saying, um, yeah, I'm subscribing from Xbox Game Pass, Gene Park. Uh, yeah, I'm unsubscribing from Xbox Game Pass for the first time ever. Gotta admit to myself, I barely use it and barely have use for it now. I'll be back, but for now, there's no point. Maybe there's no time to play those games. I get that. But sure. is there is there people that expected that I'm going to be getting all these yes. new I think it's I think it's a matter of I think it's a matter of 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 and this is why like I said I'm not trying to be an asshole but it does piss me off when people don't think about this it's a matter of expectations that were not meant they and they're not they expected every month a, like a, or two a, a 67 dollar triple A game to right. be ready to go not realizing that if you play these indie games that you 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 so love to talk about there's a great value here. What's and, there, and what's the number of games? There's a few hundred games have, on yeah, Game Pass? It's a few hundred games. And that includes, uh, obviously, older AAA games as well. Sure. So there's AAA games, getting re- re- just not new right. ones. Yeah. And so there is, I, I just, like I said, you love this stuff when it's opportune, but then you shit all over it. Whether you meant to or not, you take a big steaming fucking dump all over it by saying that Game Pass isn't worth it because so, there's not enough AAA. So you don't you don't like that? It's, you're basically disrespecting all this. Yeah, small, I feel small, it's a, all, all the small. When it to, comes down to it, yes, I feel like the medium sized titles. It's very basically. disrespectful to the indie developers that you supposedly love. And I say uh, I say here too. I realize that tasting games is subjective. You can totally hate it because there's not enough AAA stuff on there. But don't say the service is crap because of it. There's plenty of people no. who would love it for that reason. So I. I, I I, I here I wouldn't surprise subscribe to it if it wasn't for getting to try a bunch of indie games and the big thing is it translates to sales for me too and I'm sure other people because when I play these indie games for free on Game Pass I oftentimes buy a lot of them on the Switch sure. so I can take them with me. You can come a little closer and you're kind of falling off now. <laughs> you can move your laptop back there. You go. Sorry, buddy. Um, so that's where you took offense to it. It's a fact yes. that like I feel like it's you, disrespectful to the indie game so, developers. So you think that almost like the AAA title should be like almost like a bonus versus this is not the meat and potatoes of this service. This is not the reason I'm it's getting it. It's unsustainable if it's not oh. just a bonus. That's what um someone like um I saw there was uh, uh, from Adam ruins everything. Adam Conover uh, brought this up a few months ago, saying like this is going to. I think he walked a little bit. Basically said like this is going to like potentially ruin the video game industry because because of that point where it's like um, you can't you can't make these games anymore because like you're you're not going to people there's no support group anymore if you right. if you go to straight subscription there's not enough money being put into the system so and, and I, I will admit that it could be bad for the business um i also admit that game pass i'm not trying to defend game pass here i'm trying sure. to defend the indie developers that's sure. basically what i'm going for here um yeah game pass has problems and it could be disruptive to the industry and honestly i have no idea how much money indie developers are actually making off their games on game pass i hope they make a decent amount sure but fucking Think about what you say. Yeah, um, I guess the, the the closest thing to this. I mean, I I don't have to bring it up now. I don't. I'll be. I'll admit it. I don't really play the games, but I still have the five dollar a month Apple uh, game. Basically, their Game Pass, and it's a, a brilliant subscription service. It's like the high high end quality. It's a throwaway apps. amount of money for a subscription, yes. and when I do want to use it, it, I'm very happy I have it because these are like curated high quality app yeah. games. I do feel yeah. like the releases though for Apple uh, Arcade have certainly dropped off, but sure. there's still a good amount of games to play there if I need something quick. Yeah. And it's fine. So I think that's unfortunately we're in a subscription world now where it's where it's no longer, you know, I pay 100 bucks for cable 
which was awful, 120 bucks because you didn't have a choice. And now it's well, I have 17 subscription services now, which is well more than 120 bucks. Fuck a month. games as a service, it's life as a service. Uh, basically, it's what you become. You have a door door uh, DoorDash subscription, which I have. You have that. You have your your TV. You have your movies. You can have a music uh, one. You can have your horror movies. You can have your games. And, and so there's going to be a, a pull and take to the system. But yes, I you're right. It's not sustainable to have. You cannot basically give away games that cost tens of millions or hundreds of million dollars for free. You can't give them away. Right. It's just, you just yeah. can't do it. No, that. again, there's, there's issues um, with it. But <laughs> that's not what I'm defending. Is no. Not defending Game Pass, just the games that are on there. Um, and then did you look at this Vice article at all? No, I did not. Uh, one dev's Xbox struggle showed how Game oh, Pass are already changing games. Right. So here it is, another example of maybe this isn't great for the indie devs that are on there. Um, I did look at this a little bit, but something... I did not know. I, I don't know that as much, but basically, there's there's a problem with updating the the game because of Game Pass. Um, or it's not going to be on Game Pass. We heard all of you who played Fury on Xbox, and we understand your frustration. Uh, trying to explain why it's skipping Xbox. We are a small indie team, and we couldn't find the time and budget to make the port. So I guess you've got to port it. Sure, got to do a special. So port. they need they need the money per per sale to make it to make it worth it. Sure. It can't just do right. all this work on it and just whatever, put on Game Pass and whatever amount of money they would get for licensing it, you know, wouldn't wouldn't make sense. You, you have to make a choice. It's, this is a cult game. There's only 12 people on the team. Um, they don't have a, they don't have a publisher. It looks like uh, it's good. I think Alex really liked that game. Um, they said Fury and Xbox was selling less and less and we're under a third of sales on Switch. So they're picking they basically have to pick their battles yeah. on updating it. So there you go. Uh, says unfortunately, the quote to them was, uh, "Let's say we talked to the team at Xbox to see if there's a way to get some support, but Fury didn't align with the Game Pass strategy, focused on new titles. This is why we took the decision to not bring the DLC to Xbox at launch. The chances of the investment was not going to recoup were high. Then, unfortunately, without Game Pass, it is also very hard for many indie games to be visible on Xbox. So that's another issue that right. I think about. So if you're not on Game Pass as as a as an indie developer is that going to hurt you like in the search or the algorithm or being featured is that a is that a strike against you right. going forward so that's that's kind of scary um so it's a double i guess a double-edged sword where hey if you're in any game you get picked up for game pass maybe microsoft throws you some bucks that's pretty good but if you don't if you don't if you can't do that or are you now hurt from the outset on that platform yeah that that is kind of scary uh to think about that um yeah well it's interesting Ian. I, I don't know which way this is going to go but we is this is what when you have when you have um entertainment now as a service people think about it in a different way versus yes. one-off experiences yep and that's kind of what people like you know um scorsese were warning about with like movies and, and entertainment where it's like now it's not it's now it's content it's just we need more content just to put it out we need more content so the experience kind of changes in of itself going from uh creator to consumer it's just it's just altered forever this portion of the CU Podcast is brought to you by Dr. Squatch. Dr. Squatch is changing personal care with high-performance natural products that smell amazing and will have you feeling and looking your best. Dr. Squatch products are made using only the finest ingredients Mother Nature has to offer. They're transparent about their ingredients and their production. In fact, all of their products are at least 98% natural in origin. They never use any harsh chemicals or harmful ingredients, and all of their scents are naturally 
derived. You may not expect it from a scruffy fellow like me, but I love shower products, and these are amazing. Dr. Squatch soaps set themselves apart with fresh and energizing smells. Uh, some of them include, like, bay rum, pine tar, alpine sage. This is, this smells so nice. I took a shower with this eating last night. It was the best I've smelled in forever. I wanted to go into a forest and just commune with the woodchucks and the deer. I used the pine tar last night, and it was tough to get me out of the shower. Some of their soaps have added grit to help you feel even cleaner by providing an energizing, exfoliating experience. For instance, the pine tar I used really had some grit in there, and you mm-hmm. could, you know really feel clean after using it. Um, we received soap. We got some shampoo that was fantastic to use. Look at this hair. Hair feeling clean. Got the conditioner going on in here. It was great. Deodorant, the soaps, everything has been fantastic. The soap lathers up really nice, rich and creamy. Dr. Squatch uses all natural ingredients you can actually pronounce. I mean, if you look at the back of the box here, it's got olive oil, sustainable palm, coconut, some shea butter, and then some fragrances. That's really about it. There's nothing strange here. And no harsh chemicals means it's great for someone like me with sensitive skin. I actually have a real tough time using a lot of other soaps. Uh, I got out of the shower yesterday after using the Dr. Squatch. My skin wasn't red. I had no irritation or itchiness. Dr. Squatch is sustainably sourced, so you can feel good about making it part of your showering routine. Ah, if you want to smell like a champion, click the link below and use our code DSQCUPOD to get 20% off any order over $20. You're welcome. Get yourself some Dr. Squatch and get yourself clean. Ian, GameStop is in the news. Good old GameStop. Oh, boy. The meme stock darling of 2021. Um, is, is back in the news. I just want to say uh, that GameStop uh, is always extremely late to the party. Uh, y- y- yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, they should have got on board, uh, you know, a digital game marketplace. I don't know. At least uh, 12, 13 years ago, 14 years ago, they could have probably still been, you know, active, uh, you know, there. But now we thought erroneously that the Chewy guy that took over the company was uh, with N- and touting NFT technology. We stupidly thought that a game company would want to do an NFT marketplace and tie NFTs to to the blockchain for digital game sales, for buying and selling. Right. We're like, that's what it has to be, right? GameStop is buying and selling a game. But you still a, don't need uh, NFTs for it, but at least but it would have made some... I, it's I, with the brand. It would have made sense. It's in, in the brand. some way. We thought that's what makes sense. Oh no, no, no. No, hell no. no. We're we're too we're too stupid. No, they just wanna they just wanna be another open sea. They we just wanna we, be another exchange. Ian and I think like poor people. We wanna stay poor, as the crypto NFT bros say. Stay poor. Stay poor. Uh GameStop is just opening an NFT marketplace. They're 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 investing over a hundred million dollars into this, hundreds of millions of dollars. They they want an NFT marketplace, and it's coming by the end of July. Uh, It's launching its own self-custodial Ethereum digital wallet. I'm starting to get shrinkage just from saying that. Uh, I mean, it's hilarious. How how can you not laugh when, I mean, we had the articles a month ago coming out and talking about how there's a 95% drop off. And and, and here's GameStop with their fucking dick hanging out, showing up, being like, hey, it's time to to put out these NFT wallets. Crypto crashed, NFT uh, crashed probably harder than that. Um, And now... You have this basically all the money or a chunk of the money from the from the meme stock increase. Take that cash out to do something out of all the things you could have done. Reinvest in your stores. uh, Try to do a digital game storefront. 
in some aspect, you know that it's too late for that. At least yeah. it would have made sense. We're going to take all that money and shit it away on something that's derided by the vast majority of people who think it's stupid and pointless, and it's mostly for grifting and scamming. And uh, the and even in the pop culture, it's already it's already gone. Like there's, there's nothing left with it. You, it. It's already it's it, it's had its day in the sun, and that was uh, for the most part last year. Yeah, it's done. Right. It's fucking done. There's zero I, reason for fucking GameStop so, to be doing this right now, except for the fact that they, they were probably slow. And like I said, the seeds of this idea, I mean, it did because we've been talking, we've been bringing this up for a while. The seeds of the idea came right before the peak and they have just taken way too long. They're not going to, they're not going to catch any of that wave. Sure. Um. So, so the, the issue now though, is that they are, in order to make this a success, Ian, they're going to have to do spend a lot of advertising, marketing dollars to not just capture the dwindling, of, you know, cons- NFT, whatever you want to call them, consumer base. They're going to have to now advertise this shit to the current GameStop customers. So this is going to this is going to go down a path uh, where you're going to see. You, you think people don't like this idea now, Ian? Imagine now when you walk into a GameStop, they're going to be throwing this shit at you and just saying, oh, by the way, we got a new NFT for a game coming out. The game's coming out, but now you can buy the NFT. Here's they're going to they're going to try to probably work out similar deals how they did with with. Remember, you had like all the exclusive DLC at GameStop. Yeah. Imagine now the exclusive NFT deals are going to try. to Absolutely. And and GameStop has gotten pretty desperate and I don't hold it against the people who work there. It's not they choose, but. You know how GameStop used to always try to get you with the, do you want this? Do you want this? Do you want this? There were a few years there where they were kind of hands off about it. Mm-hmm. I went in there the other day to buy a copy of Switch Sports, and I must have been asked if I like, it felt like 30 fucking questions. Do you want to do this? Do you want to do this? Do you, do you need this, this guarantee? Yeah. Do you want to pre-order this? Do you want to get on the card? And like I said, really, no, no shade or hatred to the people just doing their job, but the GameStop higher ups have uh, lately. They've really started telling people to force that shit down their throat. It's going to be insufferable with NFTs. You think they're not going to do that with NFTs? They absolutely are, especially since they're investing. Like I said, I think, oh yeah, a hundred million dollars at least. It was, it was yeah, they're, they're doing it. They're, oh, it's a hundred million dollar fund to award grants to artists who make NFTs for GameStop's marketplace. Are doing that, but also all the money investing into this tech and getting this going. And then, like I said, advertising and marketing this shit. This is going to be an absolute, not just a nightmare because the fact that no one really wants it. They're going to be forced to spend good money after bad. Yes. Uh, on this in order to say, to prop this up and to say, well, this was the, this is the main direction our company was going over the past, whenever, I think a year ago we first heard about it, like, like last summer they sort of like dropped that this was going to happen. Yeah. But NFTs were like the new hotness still. And now that's what I'm saying. Like yeah. they, they, they started talking about this a long time ago. Yeah. I think it was like July of last year, August. Of the, they dragged the their feet way too long. Um, so this is more details about this. So this self custodial wallet, this is from the CNN article. Good old CNN still kicking. Uh, only gives the user access to the private digital key needed to access the wallet. The key is not stored anywhere else, which means that users don't have to rely on an intermediary like Robinhood or PayPal to buy and sell cryptocurrencies and NFTs. So it's super private. Uh, I don't know what happens. You lose that digital key, you're fucked. But, uh, you know, it, 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 it's super private there. And I guess that means, I don't know, you're less susceptible to hacking. I have no idea how that works. Uh, they're partnering with block, blockchain startup Immutable X to create their marketplace. Like I said, they have this $100 million fund they're doing on top of whatever other investment they're doing. So um, 
So they're blowing already $100 million on that. So who knows what the total they're blowing. But again, this money is not going to be... It's not going to get recouped. I, I, I'll, I will stake... I will oh, bet yeah, on no. This money is not getting recouped. <laughs> Absolutely not. This is blown money. And, and blown money... And what's a, how many zeros is that? Not nine digits of blown money. N- nine digits? Eight, eight digits. Eight, nine's a billion. Eight digits of blown money. Is it eight zeros? No, nine digits is still millions. Oh, uh, so 100 million? Yeah, 999 million, 999. Right, nine 000. digits of blown money. There you go. Um, instead of dollars, the fund will pay artists in Immutable's own cryptocurrency. There you go. You're going to help pump a crypto, too, while you're at it, GameStop. You're going to help pump the fucking crypto on top of it, which has declined significantly in value over the last year. Like every, So now, Ian, okay, let, this, is, this is what's so great about crypto. What's so great about crypto is that um, I don't think anyone's even trying to say it's a currency anymore because you can't have a currency that wildly... That's that volatile. That, that one day is worth uh, 50% more or less than the day before. It's not a cr- currency anymore. It seems anymore. like every fucking uh, attempt at making it stable or a stable coin is uh, a mess. So this, this uh, in the past, this, uh, what is this called? Uh, IMX that they're going to base this whole economy on. Uh, it's dropped from... End of March, it was at two fifty. Now it's struggling to reach a dollar. So that's a drop, uh, Pat Math of like what is that? Two thirds. It went down like sixty to seventy percent, something like like that. Jesus, uh, that's that's nuts. And this is this is the sort of thing that you're going to base uh, over a hundred million dollar investment on. Is like this is this is the underpinning of that. Are there any adults in the room? Is there no. anyone? Is no. there anyone, a Chewy CEO, that can say, listen, this is not a good idea, but it's too late. Uh, it's too late. Um, you you want to talk about the, the uh, this other NFT news? Yeah, holy shit. So it's also from Video Games Chronicle. And it's hilarious because as you scroll through this article that I'm about to mention, there's literally a link to another article being like, NFT sales have declined 92% since their peak. Oh, on this new article? Yeah, on this new article. Gotcha. So uh, Mega Man's Kaiji Inafune is back with Beast Roid, a range of NFTs. So Kaiji Inafune... Uh, is not the sole person on Mega Man, which a lot of people, I think, mistakenly assume. He was assume. part of the team but, earlier on. Yes, but he really pushed himself. Like, when he did Mighty Number no. 9, he, they, I mean, for 20 years, he was, like, the sole producer, but he really pushed, like, the idea that he was the only guy. So people had faith in in Mighty Number no. 9. In, in, a, in a project that went horribly bad. Yeah, in a, 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 a project that went awful, 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 awful. Um, and anyway, so, he's, so he put out pro- Mighty Number no. 9, Horrible reviews. Um, now he's kind of co-opting the Mega Man style and look again with Beastroid. Um, these uh, NFTs are <laughs> images of weird creatures with names like uh, uh, Hippo Launcher, Frill Dragon, Hyena Slasher. Uh, these sound like Mavericks from Mega Man X. That's what the names are. And that's essentially what these are. They're essentially Mega Man X Mavericks, and they're going to be um, NFTs. Uh, I don't trust or want to touch or even really uh, be associated with anything this guy is doing. I, I feel like it's scammy. I feel like after Mighty Number no. Nine, you know, he left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. Um, 
And I mean, I think it's actually kind of perfect that he's doing NFTs. Uh, again, this is happening so late in the NFT game that I don't think this is going to be very popular. Although I do wonder if NFTs are having a slightly different time frame in Japan, because in the past couple of months, we've really started to hear about all these um, like Japanese companies and, and people getting on board. Like Square wants to be all fucking in on NFTs. So I don't know if, you know, the peak of interest hit later in Japan than it did here, or if it's really just a whole bunch of people trying to get into something that's that's already passed. I'm not get not in certain. early. I'm not certain. Um, so so obviously this was not this news was not met with with positive. Uh, no, this feedback. is a great tweet. So this is from uh, Mr. Feel, who actually I enjoy following this person for Mr. Feel, Mr. Feel's wild ride. I, I enjoy their takes. OK, um, what did they but say? this is this is harsh. This is the one you linked. It's pretty fucked up that Inafune sank every Mega Man project at Capcom for years, nearly drove the company into the ground, left and then immediately tried to sell himself as uh, reviving Mega Man with the dirt from the backwoods burial still on his shoes. Yikes! Woo! That yikes! is oh, that is fucking razor sharp um, <laughs> and that was in response to uh, a tweet that says I still think it's immensely funny that mighty, mighty number nine and I, I brought this up a little bit mighty number nine entirely banked on people believing Inafune was the sole creator of Mega Man uh, yeah so I, I uh, our pal Norm did a video about the, basically what happened with Mega Man Universe came out in the fall of the video I had no idea I, I didn't know first of all I didn't know Norm that you did this video you gotta tell me when these videos come out buddy it was a great video um, he he mismanaged that project into the fucking ground and it should have been so easy a um, fucking build your own Mega Man I mean should have been a, a license to print money and yeah the the, 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 uh, the 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 art style was terrible it looked like a flash game art yeah. it wasn't sprite based nope um, and they could have capitalized because that was years still before uh, Mario Maker so they came out with something decently competent it would have been a huge seller it would have been a success. Was that before Mario Maker? This was that was announced like eleven or twelve. That was a oh yeah, long no, you're right. Yeah, ago. God, time. We're talking like pre Wii U or sure, sure, yeah, um, or, or around the launch. So, so that so that got it. fucked. Then he leaves the company. That got canceled. Mega Man Legends three got canceled. They're going to do another Mega Man Legends, and they were, I think they're going to do another regular side scrolling Mega Man. All the Mega Man properties got blown up partially because of Inafune. All, all the ones at the time 10 years ago. Remember? Remember yeah. It was ridiculous. Oh, yeah. It was like one after another. All these pro- things are getting canceled. Legends 3, yeah. out. Mega Man Universe, out. I have no idea. I mean... Yeah, the other stuff, too. They, I think they had another side-scrolling thing that they were going to do. I don't so, doubt it. Um, so so that was bad. Um, so, again, like, it really shows you where the, like, what the motivations are. And there was one tweet that says that, that Inafuni is a businessman first. That's that's what I saw that and, and how uh, Mighty Number no. Nine was handled. I could see that you know because that was just right. horribly mismanaged. You know, years late and just uh, was not to people's expectations at all. That game when it came out. No, but I mean, obviously, like you like you said, a businessman first because it was a very cynical cash grab yes. attempt to be like, look at me, I'm Mister Mega Man after destroying Mega Man. Yeah. Um. So that's unfortunate. What's more unfortunate, you know, something just came out with Seth Green stolen apes. And this is this is um, Schadenfreude, but um, so Seth Eights, Seth, Seth Green got fish and had a lot of NF, NFTs stolen. One 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 was the Bored Ape, one of the most famous NFTs. It was supposed to be the star of a new show that they actually made a trailer for or were going to produce. And now, technically, since he doesn't own that NFT anymore, he has no rights to do the show because he doesn't have the copyright to that ape anymore. You uh, can't. Make this shit up. 
You can't make it up. It's trending. It's like the funniest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's incredible. Seth Green's Seth. This is this is the main tweet. Seth Green's board ape NFT, which was set to star in its own animated show, was stolen through a phishing scam. Green no longer owns the commercial rights to the NFT, and thus the show cannot move forward. So the board ape is one of those few ones where you, it's you fucking get the insane. So that's one where you get the copyright to that ape. That, isn't that nuts? So uh, another person I follow on, on Twitter that and, I, and so, I, I very but, like, very important, says, I can't explain what the difference is, but the story about Seth Green getting his ape stolen is just boring to me now. I'm post-ape. Need something new to feel entertained by? This shot in front is worn completely off. Because, I mean, I am kind of at that point, like, it was great, but it's the same thing with the Amico for me. After a while, it's like, can this just fucking end? But it's please? not going to. No. I Every don't. single day, there's a scam or a grift with NFTs that makes it, like, you you can't believe there's that many marks in the world that are still into this, but I know. there are. You're, you're labeling yourself a mark for people to come steal your money, to steal your apes. Or like, like that, it's it's I people are licking their chops. You have all these like uh like not even probably high level hackers that are now like potentially millionaires from people like people like this that are just like it's free money. It's yeah. insane. It, it, it's like its own ecosystem now in a way. New NFT project comes. It's either a rug pulled by the creator, or there's a scam that happens, or someone gets their stuff stolen, or or the, the marketplace shuts down because someone hacks it or does a flash loan and gains all the other NFTs. And it's like this, and people are putting real money into these things. Uh, another plug for uh, Web3 is great on Twitter. Uh, a great account if you want to see just how bad and fucked up this is every single day. There's so, something. So now you have Seth Green uh publicly pleading for, so the person that did the fishing one then sold it to someone else seth green's now pleading for the person that bought it to give it back to them because there's no there's no legal recourse because nope. it's not regulated but that's what everyone wanted so eat shit you're, you're, you reap what you sow and now gamestop it, going back to gamestop they're now getting in on this action it's almost like a regulation is like there's uses for them. Yeah, there's uses for so it. many fucking people, babies. You can't tell me what to do. Fucking live in society, asshole. Imagine if someone robbed the bank where your where your money was held, and like your money was just gone forever. Yeah. Thankfully, there's 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 things in place where you get your money back when things like that happen. Yeah. I want we like the wild west. Bang bang. <laughs> the wild west. I can't believe it. So he shit heals. Real quick before we end, Seth Green who Frank literally ran into at Comic-Con, almost knocked him over. It's a funny story he told me one time. Um, uh, released the, the trailer to this animated show after it was stolen. And like that, you imagine if you're in the production of the show, you're working on the show, you're in the production company, and you're like, what, wait, wait, what, what happened? We can't do the show anymore. We put all this time on it because you got fished and now it's gone. Like that's, that was the basis for your show. Seth and Seth, you did this to increase the value of your NFT, obviously, right? And to increase the value of the other uh, board owners. It's a fucking grift. Yep, Seth. I'm not saying I, I had a huge amount of respect for Seth before he did fine work, voice acting, and things uh, like there's that. There's things I've liked uh, that he's done, but, but this, like, this is, is definitely awful. stupid. This is awful. It's dumb. It's awful. Dumb as shit. I thought I knew my dad better than anyone. One day we were chatting, and I heard a story I had never heard before, and that got me wondering. 
How many other stories don't I know? That's why I got my dad's StoryWorth. StoryWorth is an online service that helps you and your dad or your father figure connect through sharing stories and memories and preserve them for years to come. Every week, StoryWorth emails your dad a thought-provoking question of your choice from a vast pool of possible options. Each unique prompt asks questions you've never thought of, like, what is one of your fondest childhood memories? Or have you ever feared for your life? Um, one of the ones that I got was, you know, uh, talk about a childhood sport that you played. And honestly, I had never never even thought about the sports my dad played when he, when he when he was a kid. I've really enjoyed reading my dad's answers to those questions. I've discovered stories and memories I never heard about and learned new things about stories I thought I really knew. Um, it got him to go into detail about some of the jobs he had when he was younger, uh, working at like an independent grocery store. And I, I don't know, they're very, they're very interesting to me. After one year, StoryWorth will compile all the questions and stories, including photos that you can attach into a beautiful keepsake book the whole family can share for generations. I really look forward to reading this, you know, five, ten years down the line. Give all the fathers in your life a meaningful gift you can both cherish for years to come. StoryWorth, right now for a limited time, you can save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com slash CU podcast. That's S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash CU podcast to save 10 on your first purchase. Storyworth.com slash CU podcast. If you have a small business, inflation isn't doing you any favors right now. It's harder than ever to stay profitable. If you're looking for a way to cut costs, mailing and shipping is a great place to start. Simply use stamps.com to mail and ship and get access to exclusive discounts and great rates on shipping from USPS and UPS. It's an easy way to keep more money in your pocket. Stamps.com saves you time, money, and stress. For more than 20 years, stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses. Stamps.com gives you access to all the post office and UPS shipping services you need right from your computer and get discounts you can't find anywhere else, like up to 30% off USPS rates and 86% off UPS. No matter what business you're in, Stamps.com can help you save on shipping, whether you're an office sending invoices, an AC shop sending your products, or a warehouse shipping out truckloads of orders. Stamps.com is the mailing and shipping solution for you. All you need is your regular computer and printer, no special supplies or equipment. You'll be up and running in minutes printing official posters for any letter, any package, anywhere you want to send. Start mailing and shipping with stamps.com and keep more money in your pocket every day. Sign up with promo code CUPODCAST for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage and a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the page, and enter code CUPODCAST. Uh, Ian, we got a Patreon. We do. Patreon.com slash CU Podcast. You go, a little money changes hands. You get, uh, <laughs> get the weekly video, uh, po- full video podcast. You get writings by me. I'm, I'm working on one. My brain hurts. Uh, you get bonus episodes. You get the full, full video of us, and yeah. then you get to vote on these polls. That's right. Um, and no NFT uh, early access yet. We're going to work on that in the future. <laughs> yeah. Um, in second place, defending retro games that most people dislike, 42%. Stronger showing. I reward it a little bit. First place, Ian. We don't talk about this sort of game that often. The all-time favorite racing games. I know which one you're going to say. Well, I have two, and I'm not <laughs> sure which one you're thinking it is. Um, but first, yeah, so I was looking, uh, I was browsing Steam the other day, and this week they're currently doing, and uh, this is not a, not a promotion or an advertisement, but uh, there's, a, uh, uh, there's a racing game sale going on on Steam. So while we were chatting, I, uh, you know, went to my computer and it was on the racing game uh, sale page and we needed a topic. And I was like, how about racing games? Because truthfully, um, 
when I think about some of my favorite all-time games, I'm talking games that I would put in my top 10, top 15, top 20. Uh, there's a couple of racers in there that would be very high up. But I don't, I don't think of myself necessarily as, I guess, a racing game fan, even though I clearly am. Um, I just, you know, and it's funny because I have no interest in cars in real life. Um, but racing games, love them. So for me, I think one of the... Maybe one of my favorite, like I said, probably top five. It, it's there's going to be two Ridge Racer Type Four and Wipeout Three. Okay. Oh, Wipeout. Okay. Yeah, Wipeout is one of my favorite series, um, and both of those are great, not just for uh, the racing, but the uh, presentation in racing games often tends to be extremely slick. Uh, and I usually like it. I mean, it's showy. Races are showy to begin with. Cars are yes. showy. So the presentation yeah. for racing games is awfully, you know, pretty flashy. Um, Ridge Racer Type 4 has a really great, like, late 90s uh, graphic style to it. Um, really good, like, uh, like a great soundtrack. Um, you know, house, deep house, tech house type stuff. And uh, not only is it fun to play, but it's just fun to experience. It's it's, it's an extremely well-designed uh, game. And then Wipeout for me, uh, especially the third one, um, I and that could not have come at a better time. I, I feel like there was no game that was more uh, targeted uh, to my specific tastes. Uh, it's, you know, hovercraft racing, so it's not real cars, but it's racing. The sense of speed is extremely fast in those games when you start playing on the higher circuits. Um, and Wipeout was famous for uh, bringing in real electronic music artists um, and DJs for the soundtrack. Okay. At a time where, uh, you know, rave culture and party culture was becoming a very big thing. Oh, yeah. Late 90s electronic music. Oh, yeah. So, you know, like the first Wipeout soundtrack is well known for having, um, you know, Prodigy on there, uh, oh. Future Sound of London, um, uh, Dune, I think, is on there. And uh, it, it's just, it's great. The, the combination of the, the artwork, uh, the futuristic, the cold futuristic setting, uh, cold is, I, I think, key to wipe out when they try to warm it up. Uh, I, I, I like it less. Um, they even did, uh, they even had the design done, I think, for the first two games, maybe not the third, uh, done by the Designers Republic, which was a uh, great graphic design house. I, I fucking loved it. That did all sorts of artwork for Warp Records, Square Pusher, Aphex Twin. Um, they were very, very big in kind of defining what rave culture looked like in uh, the late 90s. So, I mean, just as a whole package, but also as like a really interesting um, of the moment, like cultural snapshot of a mm -hmm. scene, Wipeout is, 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 is hard to beat. And it's extremely difficult. Like, it's one of those games where when you get good at Wipeout, you feel like you've achieved something, especially on the, the, the because, higher. Just because it's so challenging. It's very challenging. It uses oh. an interesting air brake setup where there's two brakes. You have a brake on the left okay. and a brake on the right. So it's really interesting. Really technical. Yeah. In like when you you're going it? through chicanes okay. and stuff like that, it's it's so. Yeah. When I got good enough at Wipeout 3, when it originally came out to play on like the Phantom uh, the Phantom Speed class and, and get good at it. Yeah, one of the few times where I felt really accomplished in a video game. Okay. Uh, real quick, I have to like discount stuff probably because it's not, I mean, Mario Kart's racing, but to me, it's not like pure racing. It's, I, I, I don't count 
battle Mario racing Kart. or party racing. It's fun. I love it, but yeah. it, it has its own subgenre. Kart racing is its own subgenre sure. for a reason. Yeah. So I don't count that as pure racing. Pure racing means like you know to me almost no gimmicks. You're racing. You can have yeah. wipeout has weapons, but I I need the speed and I need the weapons to feel like they are secondary, not not yes. not primary, primary primary speed. In right in in Mario Kart, and I do it with my friends sometimes. But if you race with wep- with with nothing on, it's not it's not fun. There isn't that sure. jockeying for position that you get with with actual racing games. Sure. Uh, honorable mention before I, I get into it because this is one I don't have a huge amount of experience with, but uh, it's it's good. And the arcade game is still incredible if you have to find a sit a sit down one. Uh, the Star Wars Episode One Pod Race. Oh, it's great, man! That game is so good. Really, really good sense of speed. Um, it has the levers in the arcade. It's you, fun. You do the sit down arcade. Uh, yeah, I ha- oh yeah, man. We oh, had one in 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 Buffalo at uh, two of the arcades. It's so good. Horrible movie. Great game. It's great amazing. game. I even like the N sixty four game. To be honest with I you, I don't have a huge experience with that. But the, the, but the different <laughs> levers made it interesting. Yeah, with that, so cool. So I have four, and they're all. To me, different types of games, and, and I like them for different reasons. I'll start with probably my all-time favorite um, sort of racing arcade game. It's silly, it's great, single-screen, super off-road. The reason I like super oh, off-road, awesome. the reason I like super off-road, and I and I love Super Sprint, but Super Off-road sort of per- per- perfected that single-screen overhead, you know, racing game. Super Sprint's uh, really fun for how clean and like yes. pure of an idea it is. Yes, and for the controls. Yep, and it's basically what what Super Off-road is based on. Super Off-road is like just a little bit silly. The races are quick. You have to be technical with how you do it. And there's there's the nitro to give you the boost to catch up. It's not too much. You can spam the nitro, but you run out. You have to upgrade your, your car. It's smarter overall to you know to, to go to, to you know invest um, in the races uh, uh, after the races for your engine and tires and shocks and and, 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 stu- and stuff. And there's also the risk reward in the game where like if you want to veer out of the way to get the nitro or, or even go back a little bit and get the, the money bag and come by, there's a little bit to that that makes it interesting. <laughs> they do a good um, job of placing the items in places yes. that you really have to think about. All right, do I have a line going even right now that I can successfully yes. swoop in and grab that? Now, there isn't a huge variety of races. You go, you know, they reverse uh, each race. So there's really, uh, what is there? Uh, there are, I think, six, so it's really 12 or something like that. And so the, uh, the Super Nintendo one adds a bunch more tracks. I think it adds tracks. the track pack from the arcade. I okay, think. that's basically, yes, that's what it does. That's right. That's right. It was in the arcade. But you almost never find machines that have the track pack. I uh, never come across them. Aero Club, Dino Bar. Okay. Yep. Um, so you get more. You get a lot more tracks. So that, and plus, that's the one I, that's the first time I saw like that, because I never saw like the stand-ups, like Sprint or Super Sprint multiplayer ones ever uh, as a kid. But I saw that every arcade had that in the late. I love the animations in that game too, when the the trucks are bouncing yeah, around. Yeah, it's great. It's it's so it's fun to watch. Yes, it's it's a it's a nice, lovely little game. Uh, Cruising USA. We're gonna stick on the arcades. Cruising USA to me sort of defined sort of that next leap into like arcade games, like the, in like the the mid nineties to me, with like Killer Instinct. You know, more, you know the Mortal Kombat twos and games like that. Where it's like, okay, we're taking this leap forward into like, you know, more, uh, you know, digital imagery of real, real people and games and stuff like that. Uh, I, me- I remember Cruise in USA being at. I always bring it up, Casino Pier and, and Seaside because Casino Pier was the first arcade every year I see what was new, and they had uh, four player uh, Cruise in USA uh, set up there, uh, and, it, and it was great. Um, you, you figured out, oh, you can get the police car and you can get the uh, the school bus and the you know, secrets in there. But it was pick up and play, uh, automatic tra- tra- transmission or manual. And the manual was fairly easy to use and, and fun. 
Yeah, uh, even and, I use the manual on that from time to time, and I, I almost never do. Great theme song. You had Bill Clinton with, with, with Babes in the Hot Tub at the end. It was just a goofy, fun game. And obviously, you know, there were, there's probably diminishing returns on the sequels, the two sequels, but they're, they were fun for what they were. They are great arcade uh, racers, but they are 100% games that, personally, I feel, um, shine so well in the arcade sure. and don't translate home super well because you realize kind of how simple it is when you're playing in the arcade and the music's blasting and yeah. you're sitting in the cabinet it's a lot more fun but when you, take, when you strip it down and take it yeah. home it's a little less spectacular when you're literally racing to keep your 50 cents or yeah, dollar right versus you gotta be in first place uh to keep it uh going uh and the n64 port was not a great port i, I review that certain n64 guidebook that'll come out at some point in the future um Midnight Club. I brought up Midnight Club a lot before. I never really played it, but I know a lot of people love it. Midnight Club is interesting because it's, you know, it's sort of the subculture of, you know, street racing and stuff like yeah. that, which I'm not into. I'm not a big, you know, Fast and the Furious guy, but it's interesting just on its surface, racing in cities at night. Um, it looks beautiful. You have like the reflections of, of, of things off the streetlights and, and the sheen on the ground. And I only have a lot of experience with the first Midnight Club, which is, God damn it, 20 years old at this point. She's Rockstar. Do another uh, Midnight Club at some point. Yeah, they, they had, what, four of them? They had the dub edition. They had, like, one, two, and three. But it's a great game, Ian, because, like, there's some leveling up of, of you know, uh, you're racing for money and things like that. And there is customization in the cars. But the multiplayer, even on one screen, the capture the flag and basically, basically it was, like, tag, was so fun just to not get oh, touched sure. by a car and to stay away. Like there was something so fun about that, and even this was twenty years ago. The cities were f- not huge, but they were fairly big for what they were. Fairly big. Well, I think the, I think the original. God damn it! You had uh, New York and London. Was there a third one in the first one? I forget. I looked that up. Uh, and I might be wrong, but like it was just a fun experience. Controls were outstanding with with the handbrake turns and stuff like that. They really got it. And while I'm, on, while I'm on handbrake turns, Driver was a really good game, but that's not a straight racing game, but Driver was great. Difficult, too. Driver was one of the most most realistic, besides stuff like Gran Turismo, one of the more realistic, semi type of, of games on uh, yes. a game like that, where you had to kind of learn how to drive for real uh, with that. Um, I also want to just um, mention real quick, uh, before I forget it, uh, definitely worth a mention, uh, the San Francisco Rush series was a lot of fun. It does not get brought up as often as the Cruisin' series, sure. but particularly San Francisco Rush 2049. The sequel? The home version okay. was great because it had like the stunt course. where Because in uh, San Francisco Rush 2049, if your car did loops or flips or rotated, you'd get points for it. And they created, whole stunt, they created a whole stunt course in that game that was honestly like a big skate park. You could just drive the oh, car okay. around and get it, it was a lot of fun I, I actually probably played that mode more than anything did you have that n64 or no uh dreamcast yeah dreamcast um um uh well, well cruising did add little tricks but it wasn't as integrated as that but you could do slides and things like that in, in the later two games to, to varying degrees of success which i wrote about i, I reviewed all three cruising games in, in the n64 book finally f-zero and I'll stick with the original because that's the most one I have the most amount of experience with. Obviously, uh, the the one on N sixty four is a masterpiece. I think the spoilers. I think the reviewer gave it five stars on the N sixty four. Which one? Uh, F zero on N sixty four. Oh sure, yeah. It's a, my God. I've been playing that again on the Switch. It's amazing. It's so good. And I have zero experience with the GameCube one, by the way. Can we get another F zero game? Nintendo also very good. Can we get another F zero game? Holy shit! We told this before. You can come out with the F zero game. So anyway, the original on Super Nintendo. Um, 
the reason that game is so good, and the only thing that keeps it back from like utter, I mean utter perfection is that there's no two players on it. Other than that, it's a per- perfect game. Um, the sense of speed uh, on a on a sprite based game like that on Super Nintendo on Super yes no it's incredible. I don't think in my head there's another game from that era that the sense of speed you get you really think you're going hundreds of miles an hour, and that effect is almost literally from the force field uh, on the edges of the bubbles, that they're bubbles, yeah. that like they go by so quickly and smoothly that you're like, holy shit, I'm going super fast. No, it, it um, feels like you're screaming in that game. Yes. And and the N64 version even more so. Like it just, and the GameCube one, they really, those games in Wipeout on the higher levels really nail like that sense of speed that genuinely feels uncontrollable. Like, yes. holy shit, then, I gotta slow down. And then at least, I, I'm not familiar with the Wipeout as much, but when you hit the barriers, and you, you get bounced the hell back. Sure. Like, it's very kinetic feeling. Like, you're feeling like this is really that quick. Like, you're really going through a course, and it's not just a Nintendo trick that, you know, basically, you're stationary, and the course is moving around you because of Mode 7, basically. Um, it's brilliant. The controls are super on point, and I really appreciated it when I, when I reviewed it. It was the first re- game I reviewed for the Super Nintendo book. The first one I played. Oh, was it? Okay. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, um, I, re- I remember that. Uh I really got to appreciate the controls more, learning how to drive with all four cars. Originally, I was, I was only using the, the heavy red car, the one with uh, the, the best top mm-hmm. speed. But then I realized, like, oh, no, uh, Captain Falcon's car, it's a good racer if you know how to control it. Like, every car... I think his car is supposed to be considered, like, the most rounded. The blue one? Yeah, blue Falcon. But every car controls differently, and you have to learn how to how to drift with them and how to, how to uh, you know, break beforehand. And I really got to appreciate that more. That appreciate that more, you know, 25 years later after I first got it as a kid. I was like, this is probably a better game than I gave it credit for. And it's, the, a, it's great. And the soundtrack is amazing. I mean, the soundtrack is like, I mean, amazing. The it was soundtrack. just a, li- it was a license we didn't know at the time. And yes. there was no multiplayer. And I think that, you know, was kind of uh, a detriment for it earlier. Versus something like Mario Kart. But it's obviously Which came later and was obviously way more popular. But, but it, it still was a million seller. Uh, uh, Rue yeah. has his six pack that was unopened. He oh, I mean, those uh, those things are everywhere. Yes. We got multiple of those hey, in Luna. <laughs> hey, Rue, you should have flipped them. You could have got some money for them. You wouldn't let me have one at MAGFest. Love you, Rue. All right, that's it for this. That was a fun one. You know, Racing games are great. It was good. This portion of the CU Podcast is brought to you by HelloFresh. Get mouth-watering seasonal recipes and fresh pre-measured ingredients delivered right to your door with HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh makes cooking at home easy, fun, and affordable. No matter what's going on in the world, everyone's got to eat. That's why HelloFresh is here to make eating better and easier. No grocery stores, no stressful meal planning, just everything you need to prepare wholesome, delicious meals all delivered to your door. With 50 weekly options, including a rotating selection of items at the HelloFresh market, there's plenty of delicious dishes to choose from, no matter the occasion. HelloFresh has options for everyone, including family-friendly, fit and wholesome, and quick and easy meals, so there's something to please even the pickiest eater at your table. Stuff like the honey barbecue pork cutlets is great. That was delicious. And if you're really into, like, shellfish and whatnot, this garlic herb butter shrimp and lobster tails is fantastic. HelloFresh recipes feature produce sourced directly from U.S. farmers and picked at peak ripeness. It goes from the farm to your front door in under a week, which means their spring menu features the season's freshest flavors. HelloFresh will help you save time, money, and stress. With HelloFresh, step-by-step recipes are super easy to follow, and the ingredients are pre-portioned, which will help cut out waste and save on prep time. HelloFresh is cheaper than grocery shopping, even at full price. The pre-portioned ingredients mean you don't waste 
waste money on excess food. It's literally one of my favorite things about HelloFresh. HelloFresh will help you reach your goals. They offer veggie, pescatarian, fit and wholesome meals, and it makes it quick and easy to stick to your goals. Wholesome recipes make it easy to eat well without sacrificing flavor. Maintain your goals and feel good about your food choices with HelloFresh. And it doesn't get in the way of a busy day. Stay on track with simple recipes and fresh pre-portioned ingredients that cut out meal prep and trips to the grocery store. HelloFresh helps you eat more sustainably. HelloFresh is a streamlined supply chain that reduces greenhouse gas emissions compared to grocery shopping. Plus, in a partnership with Plastic Bank, HelloFresh prevents 10 million bottles from entering the ocean every year. HelloFresh cuts down on food waste by at least 25% compared to grocery shopping. Get some HelloFresh today. Use our link in the description or go to HelloFresh.com and use code POGPAT. NES May 16 for up to 16 free meals plus three surprise gifts across six HelloFresh boxes plus free shipping. HelloFresh, America's favorite meal kit. Uh, we got voicemails, Ian. We do got some voicemails. You go to anchor.m slash the podcast. You go, you uh, leave us something. 20 seconds is the sweet spot. You don't have to you don't have to tell us if we're great or whatever. You can tell us if you hate us. I appreciate that. And just, you know, just, just say, hey, that's my question. Here we go. Hey, Pat and Ian, this is Michael from Michigan. Pat, I just want to thank you for coming to the Midwest Gaming Classic. It was a lot of fun uh, meeting you. I was the one that was wearing the double jump shirt and hat. And oh. my question is for you, Pat. I just oh. wanted to ask you, what was your favorite thing about the Midwest Gaming Classic? Thanks again for all you do. And I would love to see you next year um, at the Midwest Gaming Classic again. Uh, besides rooming with Norm, uh, the best thing about the week, I, I, I really liked um, my first time real at a convention in the Midwest, um, upper Midwest at least. I, uh, the, you know, the the people were, were nice and friendly. That, that Midwestern sort yeah. of hospitality, Midwest vibe. Uh, yeah, Midwest vibe was very chill and relaxed. And then uh, the German restaurant was amazing. I don't know if I brought it up to Ian before. Yes. The German food was amazing. Um, and it just it, it felt like it was just a different culture there. A lot of people were at bars. Um, we went down on Saturday night, uh, the four of us, um, me, Norm, uh, Kelsey, and Kelsey's friend went for the German food. And the, the, the bar, everyone was watching. Everyone was watching the Brewers. Everyone was like having a good time. It just felt like really relaxed. Nice. Like, like downtown uh, Milwaukee. That, that was it's a nice area. Uh, Hi, Pat and Ian. This is Gordon, a former Canadian phoning from East Sussex in England. Uh, I just wanted to say I was watching Zodiac on the weekend. And um, Pat, you are a spitting image for Mark Ruffalo's Inspector Dave Toshi. We've not watched it recently. Yeah. Great um, movie. You have to see Watch that. out for yeah. that. Uh, I was also wondering do you think there's any relation? between Tommy Tallarico's Intellivision Amico and Mr. Majorium's Wonder Emporium. Uh, do you think that the branding was entirely based on a ridiculous rhyme? Thanks very much. Uh, Bye-bye. Being that nothing was thought about uh, thought out about this project at all, I would not put it past it. That that was part of the reasoning put into the name. No, I mean, obviously his his extreme Italian pride is the reason why he chose an Italian word. But the Tommy Tellerico Amico, uh, I, I, certainly a bonus that I'm sure he loved a after bonus. the fact if it wasn't intentional. Hey, guys, it's Tim from Minnesota. I just wanted to talk about um, how you guys feel about shutting games down. I'm a senior systems architect, and we cannot keep games around forever. Uh, they run old hardware, old software, and unfortunately, we need to shut them down. We need people to patch and maintain them. There's security vulnerabilities, all sorts of things going on. Um, 
So while we would like to keep them forever, we simply cannot. Regardless of if they're on PC, Xbox, PlayStation 3, they all run on computer servers, virtual machines usually, or something of the nature. And unfortunately, um, sometimes there are security issues, sometimes the software isn't supported, they're running on all sorts of reasons. So uh, we, we can't keep them running forever, unfortunately, and oftentimes it actually does cost us money if we want to uh, keep them running. Um, there's been servers running that have uh, five users a week. All right, I get it, Tim. But you know, you don't want to you don't want to white knight too hard for what was that Ubisoft we're talking about there, because like they were shutting down games that are like four years old. The servers, like, it wasn't just well, stuff that was fifteen years old. It was stuff more recent. So I guess it gets to the argument of like like it. it I don't know how this how it works. I don't entirely. But if a game is three years old, wouldn't that tech be on something a little bit newer than a game from the 2000s? Wouldn't that be a, something a little bit newer? So I don't know how it lines up entirely, how, how the risk assessment, risk reward is put out there. Right. I understand it costs money to run servers. Sure. I'm, I'm not dumb. You know, you need you need maintenance. I guess my stuff, thing but. is I, I oftentimes get angry when games get shut down. It's not so much at the company as long as it's had a decent run. It's more, I'm concerned about the the preservation for a game that is so reliant on the server. I mean, if that's getting backed up and it's getting, and and probably these days, I'm sure it's happening more and more, that's getting saved, I'm less concerned. But um, I mean, yeah. If someone out there that works for like a company like Ubisoft wants to say, hey, Pat, this is the average cost per game versus number of users to keep this going per year. So I have a round number. Absolutely. Let me know. Is it a few hundred dollars? Is it a thousand? Right. Like, let me know what, like, what that cost is for, for, for all that, for basically overall maintenance. I would love to know that. Ian Pat, it's Tommy again from Sheffield in the United Kingdom. Big shout out to all the Tommies out there. We're not all bad. Um, I'm a Patreon subscriber. I even helped my neighbor with his bin collection today. We call Trash bins in the united kingdom we also call the super nes the snes i'm really sorry pat but we do and i don't think that's going to change anytime soon speaking of the snes um batman returns i feel it's one of the most underrated titles on the super nes i like it super nes library sorry excuse me um i feel like it's better than final fight i feel like streets of rage 4 borrowed some of the movesets i'd love to know your thoughts on that particular game love the podcast big kisses it's not better than Final Fight. Better than Super Nintendo Final uh, Fight. It's, I, did I review that? I think it's uh, fun and it's an overlooked it's game. It's interesting. It's, it's, the it's prob- not great. It's, to me, it's interesting. The problem it's is... It's solid. I, I think uh, any... I think any... Any beat-em-up, I feel like, should have two players, but at least Batman was designed around one player. Sure. I might have given it three stars. I, I think I reviewed that, but uh, God, we're talking... It's better than average. It's interesting because it, it has, like... Um, you can block in it, and um, there's there's it's it's not the standard uh, beat them up at the time. Right, it's interesting. No, it's it's unique. And there's weapons, obviously, which is good. Next, hey Pat and Ian, this is Cindy from Tacoma, Washington. You've mentioned a lot in the podcast over these past few weeks about your love for Funhouse, and yes, that is a fantastic show. My question to you is, what are your thoughts on the two other uh, Stone Stanley massive? housed game shows in either Legends of the Hidden Temple or one of my personal favorites, Shop Till You Drop. Anyway, enjoy the podcast. Thanks, and have a great day. I love Shop Till You Drop. I used to watch that as a kid, and I went back and 
uh, looked at a, a couple like things just to just remember the flow of the game. I, I used to love that that yeah. dumb show just because it was like a mall setup. I loved it. I loved both of those. Um, Shop to your drop was probably the one I liked a little bit more. Legends of the Hidden Temple. Here's my deal. I like the I love the concept of Legends of the Hidden Temple, I and I like the temple at the end. The problem is, is the way the game is designed. You really kind of need to get all of the pendants of life if you want to beat the last temple and there are there are ways depending on who wins like the physical challenge games to only end up with one pendant or one and a half pendants and it makes it extremely extremely difficult so unless one of the teams just sweeps the other team it's harder it's it's way harder see i I don't like that concept then yeah because like well i I like the idea i just don't like how that plays out i didn't like the fact that they had like the 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 guys dressed up and like they would capture them inside the final uh temple whatever Uh, i don't think i ever saw i didn't watch as much as funhouse funhouse was not easy to win funhouse no i saw teams win funhouse i don't think i ever saw someone when i was watching win hidden temple I don't think I ever saw it. It happened. It was rare. But it, it was it was like if they had all the, the tokens, as long as they t- put the fucking monkey together the right way, um, they would win. And if gotcha. you didn't have the tokens, you didn't win. Um, one that I uh, do want to mention real quick, though, that was also the big, big set kind, uh, but much earlier, Finders Keepers. Big, big... I don't remember that one. You don't remember Finders Keepers? Let me see that. Okay. Finders Keepers. Interesting. Finders. What was it on? It was like... on Nickelodeon for at least part of the time. It might be one of those things where once I see it, I'll know it, but... Um, but it was, uh, I want to say it was like early 80s. Early 80s? Yeah. Nah. 87. Oh, okay. The early 80s, it was just you can't do that on television. And Turkey TV and, and out of control. Um, it was on for a year only. Okay. Well, it pro- I mean, that kind of makes years. sense. It was probably a very expensive game show to host because oh. they set up like a whole... They set up multiple rooms that you had to go through and like tear apart to find shit. Two seasons, 195 episodes total, 130 Nickelodeon, 65 in syndication. God, they really cranked that shit out. Well, those, that's the type of thing that they, 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 they probably filled like multiple three, episodes, episodes in a day. day. Yeah. Right. They do that with Jeopardy, don't they? They do multiple in a day. Yes. They do like a whole week. Yep. Sometimes, like in one day, they just do a little rest in between. I don't think I remember that one, Ian. I used to watch, I watch a lot and of fucking I watched game shows, man. Everything on Nickelodeon when I was a kid. I'm surprised what? you don't remember it. No. Maybe it's something I'll, I'll look once I once I look up on YouTube I'll, I might remember it because like something like Shop Till You Drop I was like I don't remember anything about it then once I saw the episode I'm like okay I remember if everything you look about up it. the end like the big end run at the end of Finders Keepers you'll probably know it okay hey Pat and Ian this is Andy from Woodridge Illinois um I don't know if you've seen but PCS Collectibles has made high end statues of Jean Claude Van Damme and Bolo Yang from Bloodsport. I was just wondering, how much would you pay for a Frank Dukes, Ray Jackson statue of them playing Karate Channel? Wow. A lot. I don't think I ever would buy something like this. I want to buy... Oh, sorry to cut you off there, Andrew. I want to buy that. And I don't ever ever like something. If if someone made... Like literally a little karate gym cabinet, and they're playing it. I I would spend money on that. Yep. I would buy that. I would, and um, I already have the uh, Frank Dukes on the way uh, for the this thing. He's doing the kick. Yep. So so that's, that's pre-ordered for me. So that's the, the, how many other ones do they have? Uh, I I I have that's not official? seen the Bolo Young. No, it's official. I have not seen the Bolo Young. If there is one, it's probably not out yet, but I will be getting it. So that's official because this one on eBay yeah, no, it's, it's of, official. of him jump kicking was not official. This little figurine. That's just someone someone made, I guess. Um, that I don't know. Um, but okay. Yeah, that's a little that's a little little 3D printed thing. So okay, this is is this the first official statue of Bloodsport that we know about? Like first official figurine statue? 
How, do I, how did I not know about this before? Oh, my God. Ten and a half inches tall? Nice. So I, I, I think he was talking about the sideshow ones. My bad. Um, the sideshow this, ones? This, this Bolo Young is amazing. It's a one-third scale statue. What? $975. Uh, sideshow? Yeah. Just type in sideshow Bolo Young. And there's no Van Damme? Uh, I, if there, oh, there I, is. I'm sure there is, but I... Oh, no, no. There you can get... Oh, my God. There's one with two of them. Oh, wow. There's one with him... From how he looks in, uh, oh yeah, and from Enter the Dragon. The Enter the Dragon. That yeah. is brilliant. Wow, that looks just like him. Yep, nine hundred seventy-five dollars. It's great though. Good, good to see some some autograph blood sport. edition, huh? Good to see some Bloodsport merchandise yep. coming here. Besides, like the, the rare albums and such things like that. All right, do do a we'll do a few a few more here. Only fifty of them. Oh, they only made fifty of the of the thousand dollar ones. Yep. Uh, okay, I got to read this because uh, this was the message left. You can you can like do like a title of it. Um, Pat, do you read these messages' names? It's Voxandra, and I put my name in here so you know what to expect. But I think you see my email anyway, which also says Voxandra. Or are these voicemails just like a total potluck, and you have no idea what's about to get blasted into you? Yeah, makes sense. You and then it goes. Okay, it's their actual message. Uh- <laughs> hey Pat, hey Ian, it's Voxandra from New Jersey. Did you guys like how I timed that last voicemail submission so I'd end up on voicemail episode 69? Pretty nice, right? Anyway, I got an interesting question this time, depending on your answers. You ever just invent a guy in your head that you just don't like just for the sake of making fun of this hypothetical person? For example, I like inventing retro YouTubers that'd be like, Yo, this is Vinny Bag of Donuts from YouTube.com slash Vinny's Fat Sack. Here today to talk about how Mega Man 2 is better than Mega Man 3. Because 3 came out after my parents got divorced. <laughs> That's why Auntie Creates had no slide in 9 and 10. Because they knew that seeing Mega Man slide just reminds me of that skank-ass bitch sliding into my family's life breaking up everything and denying me the childhood I deserve. That's why sliding sucks and Mega Man 2 is the best. I feel like that person's real. By the way, I didn't check to see if that's a real channel, so that could get awkward. <laughs> also, I remember that you said to keep the voicemails under 30 seconds, so this time I made sh- Okay. <laughs> um, Gee, sweet lord. Um, uh, I was going to say, like Ian said, like almost every single type of person you think of exists on, on YouTube. Yes. Almost every single type of person. It's true. So I have uh, in my head, and I was actually inventing this person earlier when we were talking uh, about NFTs. I don't uh, invent people in my head to like to like make fun of. I don't do that. Uh, I, it, while we were talking about NFTs, I was imagining a guy uh, who only wears football jerseys, uh, who thinks that it's going to be his big break, and his favorite restaurant is Applebee's. That's so specific, Ian. I know. Uh, I do like two more here. Hey, guys. This is Dan from New Jersey. What's your favorite memory from playing a game inebriated? My example would be smoking a joint with one of my buddies, and we played Sound Shapes on the PS3, and it was an amazing time. Thanks. Love the podcast. Uh, The day that I realized that LSD made me better at shooters, uh, I was in high school, I was tripping my balls off on like two to three hits of uh, Spider-Man acid and Spider-Man acid. Yeah, it was it had Spider-Man's face on the blotter. Very, very powerful stuff. And uh, I got from stage one in our type to stage seven in our type, which I believe is the last level uh, on one credit. I shit the bed at level seven. I was not able to beat the game, but I have never, ever been able to repeat that in my life. Wow. Um, have I ever drunkenly played a game like that? Um, 
I almost count me being punch drunk on the past marathons with, you know, going 36 hours without sleep and being all goofy. That's sleep and deprivation. That's, yeah. Yeah. I think that almost counts. Us singing, us singing uh, Sunday Fun Day while, like, up for, for almost two days, that probably counts. I'll let it pass. Something like that. Or, or, or me, you know, raving about how much I hate Mega Man off of No Sleep. Uh, you know, the, cla- the, the classics, even. The classic yes. hits from past marathons. And then uh, yelling at Rue, because I'm like, every time we play, we, we play Back to the Future, we take shots of Rue for saying it's a shooter. You know, stuff like that. People still come up, people still come up to me conventions and bring that up. Really, Back to the Future, be, being a shooter, just 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 for fun. Oh yeah, that joke is is good. Oh, that's evergreen. Hey guys, this is Don from Minneapolis. So I promised myself I would never ask a question about Tommy Tallarico because I just don't care. But for some reason, I found myself looking at his wiki page, and under personal life, it says besides video games and music, Tallarico is an obsessive baseball and Spider Man fan, and collects balsamic vinegar what? so my question is this what <laughs> there's there's no accounting for taste i'm not going to take a shot at him for collecting something weird uh, i collect weird stuff I, but uh, but to, to the point I, if you don't cook or you're unaware balsamic vinegar is definitely one of those things like wine or specialty salts or olive oils in particular you get certain that you can get ones. really, really deep into. For all the shit that I can say negative about Tommy Tallarico, honestly, his balsamic vinegar collection is the only thing I would want to talk to him about. Uh, <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. If you uh, go to like Barron's, they do like there's tons and tons of like uh, balsamic vinegars and like ca- and copper or uh, metal po- like containers okay. and there's tons of olive oils too and really it's like a big it's, it's how you eat the bread you dip it in a little yeah. olive oil you dip it in a little balsamic yeah, vinegar you mix you it enjoy. up a little bit. And there's strawberry kinds there's mint like there's Wait, all so, sorts. so there's you can you do it well, mouth is warm passing you can do a, a bread tasting with the oil well you can't really, no but you can buy the stuff there gotcha. for that and oh, sometimes no. they do have uh, before pandemic they did have like little croutons laid out that you could oh. use to sample some oh, of it. that sounds incredible it was good uh, you you want to you want to check in with somebody? Let's and check in. With I somebody. feel like this is not going to go over well because we did not do like a, really a, a lot of game topics this time out. Uh, this did we? Did we talk about like actual video games? I don't know. Who cares uh, for this? Well, I don't know. A YouTube audience. Um, all right, we got. We'll check. So in don't tell them. Hey guys, Tommy here. As you probably know, I was involved in a little accident with the Hollow Ride, which really wasn't my fault because those thirteen cars just came out of nowhere. And those seven pedestrians didn't have the light either, okay? But one of them's sharing my hospital room, actually. How you doing over there, Father Kelly? <laughs> okay, uh, I think he's still mad at me. You know, Jesus would want you to forgive me right now. You're gonna see Jesus if you don't shut your face, boy. Wow. I think that means he wants to kill me. I don't think a priest is allowed to do that, but anyway. I heard that Ian was having some health problems too, but once again, he just wouldn't die, so I guess we're just going to have to keep doing this, but whatever. Thank you to everyone who sent me flowers, and fuck you to everyone who sent me RBI baseball stickers. Bye. (laughs) Anyway. Oh, you know you can get RBI baseball stickers at ultimatenter.com to send whoever you want. Oh, well, you know, I hope you recuperate there, uh, Tommy. He's uh, uh, sounding a little more subdued besides the fuck used. Uh, yes. You know, a little more subdued than, than normal there. And, and, and I hope Father Kelly comes around. I really hope Father uh, Me too. Comes around. 
Man, man, of, man of the salt. Man of the cloth? Man of the cloth. <laughs> man of the salt. Man of the salt. Salt of the earth, man of the cloth. There we go. Man of the salt, that's a new thing. Yeah, man of the salt. <laughs> All right, bye. All right, that's it for the CU Podcast. We had a good time this that was a good week. Um, I'll, I'll cobble this together. And uh, yeah, it was a fun time. I'm feeling a little spunky. You're a little spunky today. Little spunky. You had a good energy today. You had a good energy. Maybe, maybe, maybe from that... Uh, dot- uh, the Squatch soap. Ah, uh, yes. Dr. Squatch gave you some good energy. Squatch like, energized me. Yeah, there you go. All right, we'll see you later. Bye.